0: I mean, the defensively, I think the team played well. Actually, and I always harp on special teams. Pretty good effort from special teams. It wasn't wasn't great, but it was way better than the UNLV game. Offensively, it was putrid. You couldn't even average a point a quarter. Oh, so, we got yeah. some Whoa, feedback. We got a little yes, feedback. I, that. I forgot to
1: turn the audio on, so that just came on. <laughs> well, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, when you start talking. So, welcome to television. <laughs> oh,
0: well, welcome yes. to television. We had the audio off. Sorry about that. Sorry. We're uh, we're back. Uh, so. I don't, so they didn't get to hear your introduction keely
1: basically uh we could just start out uscfootball.com brings you tunnel vision of course put your questions in we will be answering them on youtube facebook and periscope i know you guys are frustrated you guys already have a lot of questions in so we'll be sure to answer those but and then first, we screw
0: up the audio to start Yeah, with. I yeah.
1: Know, my bad. we <laughs> joined alongside ryan abraham shotgun spiraling as i said earlier guys what are your general thoughts from usc's first loss and first loss of pacto play
0: so Shotgun's still studying away. He's going over the stepbook. W- we were just watching the replay of the game. Uh, I didn't get to go through the whole thing. We just had Clay Helton's conference call. But quick thoughts overall. Uh, defensively, I thought USC did pretty good. There was a lot of similarities to the Ohio State game where could Stanford have scored more? Probably, but only give it up 17 points. I think that's pretty good. But Stanford didn't need to really take any risks and push anymore. You'd have liked to see a, a sack or a turnover. But when you're not really forcing Stanford to do anything, they're not having to take any risks. I think it's harder on Clancy Pendergast and the defense. So, But I think the defense played pretty well. I think that the special teams actually did fine. Like I don't think there was any big glaring errors. They almost blocked the punt. Um, you know, There was a bad pooch punt in there. There was some stuff. They actually, coverage-wise, they stopped Stanford. Stanford brought the ball out of the end zone a couple times. They probably shouldn't have. But overall, I thought it was okay. Like, it wasn't like a bad special teams effort like it was against UNLV, at least what I thought it was. But it was putrid on offense couldn't even average a point per quarter that's awful uh there's way too many five-star players on this team doesn't mean they're always great there's a lot of players i think that are going to be in the nfl you have 15 scholarship offensive linemen a bunch of returning starts three years in the same system there is no way that this team should score three points against stanford that collection of players you get some other coaches They could score 21, 28, 35 points. Like, they could do that. Why could this coaching staff not score more than three? I think that's what it comes down to uh, at the end of the day. I didn't really like the decision to try to out Stanford. Stanford, I thought if you go a little bit more up-tempo, try to run more plays. They really tried to play Stanford's game, and Stanford was better at it uh, on Saturday night. So just overall, it was a really bad performance. Get your thoughts, Chuck.
2: The game actually was after looking through the stat sheets and stuff. The game was actually much closer than it appeared. I mean, it looked like you know they got you, it. Kind of felt like they got blown out by thirty the way because the offense was so bad, yeah, and so uh, ineffective. I guess because they, actually the offense wasn't so bad because they moved the ball. I mean, I'm looking at this. looking at the drive chart. USC had five solid drives. Stanford only had three. The difference is Stanford scored a touchdown, touchdown, and field goal on those three drives. USC. Uh, you, got, you got you got punted twice on the, at the thirty eight yard line like and, and so you're kicking and the, the punt ends up being seventeen or twenty one yards like so, and you throw interception on one of them you fumble on a fourth down so all your productive drives end up being turning to nothing the the word of the night for the offensive lineman was annoying. Yeah. That's what Chris Brown said. That's what Toa Lovendon said. They said it was, you know, we, were, we felt like we were driving the ball. We felt like we were having some uh, successful drives. And then we would get between the 30 and the 50, and, it and you know, it was annoying that we couldn't push it into the then end zone. Push it off, yeah. And so, like, if you look back at it, like there were so many opportunities for USC to do better. Uh, so the game was actually much closer than it, it showed on the scoreboard and, you know, even felt, you know, in, in real time because it felt like it was much more than just a two-score game. Whereas – USC, I know a lot of people are harping on how slow the tempo was. They basically only started going tempo with like five minutes left. Well, they score on that drive instead of throwing an interception. There's like three and a, I think three and a half, three around uh, there, three minutes left. You call and you still have I think two of your timeouts. So you you call a timeout. You, you stop them. You get the ball back. Yeah, the they needed
0: to go tempo. I thought it was bull. Like they by the second half, like you're not scoring at all. You had four possessions, four real possessions in the first half. You're not scoring. Like, you need to score. So I think they needed to pick up the pace. It wasn't working the plotting pace they were doing.
2: No, the difference is, I I definitely think they should have picked up the pace because their offense was ineffective. I'm saying that's how close the game was, that they didn't score there it's a one. It's a right. touchdown game, yeah. and you, it, you could say, "Well, we don't have to worry about the tempo now." The way your offense was not being effective, especially in the second half, before those two drives towards the end, really didn't, uh, or before that long drive, didn't really have a bunch of, of movements uh, on with the ball that you probably should have picked up the tempo because you feel like, and obviously with Stanford, they always say you only have so many drives; you have to be, you know, right. and. and I think that they're playing against themselves into an effect. Like, we, we have to be so focused on each play because we're going to only going to get so few drives when it felt like they should have picked up the p- tempo and go at uh, Stanford a little bit more with some things. I mean, you listen to Clay Helton. And, and uh, Keeley was saying before the show that T. Martin said a similar thing, that Clay Helton said, well, you know, those long drives, you, you feel like you can't be perfect on every play. Whereas it should be the other way around. It's like a defeatist mentality. You should be saying, you know, if we go on a long drive, Eventually, we're going to break something free because right. the defense can't be perfect on every so play against. The
0: is going to screw something yeah, up. against
2: yeah. our athletes, like you. But no, they're like, "Well, we're going to mess something up." And Keely, what was T. Martin saying?
1: T. Martin said it was getting harder to pl- call plays throughout the game because he didn't know which where the breakdown was going to be, whether it was going to be on the offensive line, whether it was between the chemistry with the receivers, stuff like that. And that just is not good. One, you're blaming <laughs> on your players and making it. It's backwards thinking. Call plays that help your players instead of the other way around. But it's yeah. it's, it's a defeatist attitude. The
0: the rewatch. So I haven't got through the whole game, but I got through about three quarters of it. And I, one of the things, and um, trying to talk to people about how much pressure Stanford was bringing. It looks like Stanford was doing some some different stuff early in the game, but then I think it just kind of was back to Stanford. Clay Elton talked about it on the conference call. Uh, there was two physical beats on the offensive line, and then a couple of twists that they got beat on. Those might have even been in run plays, but I was watching the sacks, at least the first you know, four sacks or so, the fourth and two at the end of the first half. And here's the, the, the common theme, and this is the real problem, and this is why I don't know if it's about execution. You, you're doing something wrong. Stanford was bringing four mi- four men. So sometimes it would have like three down linemen and a linebacker and like one or two outside, you know, three outside linebackers whatever, one would drop back. But basically four guys were rushing the passer most of the time. And on those sacks, USC had five offensive linemen plus a running back. And the one we just saw towards the end of the third quarter, they actually had a seven-man protection. Both Two running backs in, both were protecting and five offensive linemen. And they still got to JT Daniels and sacked him. So that, to me, that's a big problem because... You have more, you should have, your jimmies should be bigger than their Joes. You have more of their your jimmies than their Joes, and they're still getting to JT Daniels. So there's some big breakdowns. It's not just a couple of physical beats. When you got six or seven guys blocking four and you're breaking down, there's a problem there.
2: Now on that play in particular that we just watched, and also on some of the other things, I think you're also looking at He's a freshman quarterback. True. He's going to play like a freshman quarterback. He left the pocket too early on that play. But with six-man protection, you got to expect that you're going to basically have a, uh, a cocoon in the middle that they're going to be able to protect you, and. The impact of being hit earlier, and you know, even having the bruised hand early in the game, uh, and to being hit throughout the game is—you start feeling like, okay, I got to get out of here and go somewhere. I got to pull the Houdini play again, where he was nearly sacked and that rushed our first down. That was a
0: really good play by JT. Yeah, and that was Sam Darnold. And,
2: yeah. you, and you start feeling like, okay, I got to do something rather than trusting the guys around you. And you know, part of that is as a freshman and not playing with this this group for you know for what four weeks now, five weeks is. How much trust does he have in them? And he starts trying to feel like he has to do more, and then he starts leaving the pocket. There was a, you know, there was a, a ball to Tyler Vaughns. There was a deep ball that they ran a double move in the second quarter, I believe. He beats uh, Paulson Adebo, and it was one of the photos, I think the photo that Keely used uh, for instant analysis. He was a step beyond Adebo. However, JT Daniels didn't, his hips were not aligned to make the throw well, and he didn't get enough on it, so he underthrows it. Uh, Tyler Vaughn has to stop and come back right. for it. Adebo makes a very nice play with how he defended the ball and it breaks it up. So that's a potential deep ball they, you know if you connect on that. Yeah, if it's in stride, it's really, a touchdown. Yeah,
0: he wasn't even really facing it. He was kind of reached up and yeah. it's like but it was so he was just there because the ball didn't go beyond, you know, he Vons had a step there for sure and the ball came. Basically, to the way the defender was making Vaughn's mm-hmm. come back to it,
2: and that was something that was a freshman mistake, as far as a quarterback not getting, you know, not getting his hips into the throw, you know, not being able to fall through on it, even though there wasn't pressure on that play. And that's what happens when you st- when a team is able to get pressure on a young quarterback early, you start seeing the effects of it later in the game as the as the game wears on, where they start doing things that they, you know, you wouldn't do in practice, you wouldn't do uh, without that pressure coming.
1: Do you feel like USC really committed to the run? And in that sense did it make jt daniel's life harder because of play calling and not necessarily sticking to the run like they originally planned to you
0: know he threw the ball 34 times fink threw it a couple um i thought they ran the ball really well on matt fink's drive when he came in now the quarter ended and jt daniel was back and it was third and ten i thought it would probably have been a good time to put him back in there and let him throw because when fink had to throw he got pressured he got hit and it just he threw a ball it didn't look like there was anyone near where he was going to. I'm not sure. It just didn't look like there was any confidence that he was going to be able to complete uh, a ball on third and 10. But give T-Martin credit. They came in and they ran a bunch of zone read stuff. And it looked good. It looked like a completely different offense with him, which you have to do. I don't think that's real easy to switch in the middle, you know, in the, in between drives. I thought they did a pretty good job running the ball there. But that was really the only drive they were, like, committed to running the ball. They would ran, run a couple times. I think, you know, like where he started the game, you know, running it three times and got first down. But then, you know, th- there'd be a run blitz or something and, and you get stopped. And it just kind of was like, it just wasn't working at, at, at times. So I, I don't think they were dedicated to it, uh, Keeley. It just kind of seemed like it was mixed in every once in a while. And actually fairly successful. I think they had about four yards a, a carry. So it wasn't terrible, but it just wasn't like, hey, we're going to try and pound the ball. We're going to try and uh, do that. I don't know if they had confidence in the offensive line and everybody blocking to, to be able to do that.
2: And I, I saw this come out, uh, you know, while I was driving back uh, today, that that was kind of a theme. And I think that is not really an accurate thing because I think that was predicated on the score because looking at the stats they ran the ball 21 times in the first half One of those it looks like it was a sack on JJ Daniels So 20 times and they ran the ball for 73 yards. That's not really great. That's less than four wow. yards of carry and I think when you Give up that touchdown at the end. You're like, okay now it feels like we got to get something going And they ran the ball some the first couple of drives. They ran it five straight times in their second drive and uh, which is the one where they got got stalled out and had to punt, uh, do the push punt. Uh, so I think that once they got there, so you've ran the ball I think six, seven, eight times to that drive. So you ran the ball 28 times. You get to uh, there's two minutes left in the second half. Or in the third quarter, excuse me, and you feel like, all right, we got to start throwing the ball because it's these drives are not working. We, we got to get some those explosive plays and get down there. So I think that was part of it because you look at it 28 times. I know J.T. threw 11 times in the first half. Matt Fink threw one. So probably in those first two drives is probably six throws at the most. So it was 28 to 17 at that time. So at, if you look at it that way. Obviously, when you're trailing in a game, you're going to throw a little more. more. Uh, so but the final numbers look a little bit different, I think, in, in that regard. So I don't think that that, that theme it, it kind of holds water so much after you kind of break it down.
0: But there was no, they did throw more, but there wasn't really any kind of tempo to it. It was almost like you were running the ball. They, It wasn't like you were throwing the ball because you wanted to go faster. They were still going really slow. You're wondering, like, are they trying to run out the clock right now? It's the fourth quarter. Like, it was just kind of – there just didn't seem to be the sense – of urgency and it's hard to say is that because it's a freshman quarterback is it because that's just the way the coaches were running things i'm not sure shall
1: we go into questions we have a, we have guess a so. lot of
0: questions we coming. do a uh, quick little quick announcement because I, th- I promoted that bruce feldman who's our friend and lives close by uh was the sideline reporter for fox he said he would come on the show he was not feeling well, uh, but he's, we're going to try to remotely get him on. We'll see. Ryan That's loves on the fly. Our, so Keeley's running the show. So we're like, yeah, just just do it. So we'll see if <laughs> Bruce can do it. Um, we will try, though. Hopefully, we can get Bruce on because he's there. He gets to have production meetings with Stanford. He had some glowing things to say about how Stanford prepared and everything. And you guys might find that interesting.
1: Interesting indeed. Okay, let's go to a question from Tarek who says, what are realistic expectations for USC going forward? Do you still pick USC to win this South?
0: Realistic expectations? Yeah, it's not like, well, here's the problem. Colorado looks legit. They had a great road win uh, against Nebraska, who started off slow and then was playing pretty well. Colorado hung in there. Arizona State, I mean, that's a great win uh, against mm-hmm. Michigan State. Uh, Big Ten teams are 0-10 going to Sun Devil Stadium. They had to play at like 2 in the morning at the end of that game, and it was like 100 degrees, so probably not ideal for those farmers out there in East Landing. I'm not sure they're not farmers, but whatever. So sort of like when Arizona had to go play at 9 in the morning, Michigan State was playing at 2 in the morning, and it was 100 degrees. so uh, So I think those two teams were legit. Um, I still think Utah is going to be really good. They, didn't, they played on the road at, uh, I think, Northern Illinois or something, or Northern Iowa, I think they played. And they, they got an okay win there. So They played th- on the
2: road at Northern Iowa? Yeah, it was
0: very strange. <laughs> uh, it was like 17-6 to 6 or something they okay. won. But, uh, you know, they got a nice win there. I think those three teams are legit. Arizona's butt and UCLA's butt, so don't worry about that. But I think it's going to be hard to, to – it's not going to be an easy to, w- to win the South. And who knows what the, the mentality of this team is going to be if you go on the road and you're one and two. You lose to Texas, which you can certainly do. Um, it's different when it's not like there's this hope because you brought in Sam Darnold before two years ago, one and three. You started the hope, and if you start with your hope, J.J. Daniels, and you're one and two, what's the, the morale going to be like? I'm not sure. So, Torrey, I don't know. I don't know what this – the expectation – I think this weekend is very important. Um, we said don't put all your eggs into what happens – this weekend, I mean, this past weekend against Stanford. But scoring three points is very, very concerning. I do not think this is the 85 Bears. I don't even think <laughs> this is a great Stanford team. And maybe they're going to prove me wrong. I think they're OK. I don't think they, they have a great defensive line. But man, they made USC look bad up front. I think other teams are going to run on them. And I think other teams are going to score a bunch of points on them. And that's going to say, well, what does that mean about USC?
2: Yeah, the USC offensive line has to play better. If they want to win the South, they have to play better. Yeah. It's pretty simple.
0: Yeah. They're not playing well right
2: now. Uh, Let's just go ahead and and get to this uh, because we're going to get asked it. We always get asked it. Any update on Bubba Bolden? No. No status (laughs) change. Achille Ross? No status change. Uh, Isaiah Palamau has a dislocated shoulder. Not sure if it was the same one as last year. I didn't have time to check that, but he's going to be out this week for sure. Uh, they said they're going to let it rest a couple of weeks. We'll see what that exactly that means, uh, especially because after next week, you have a short week uh, with Washington State yeah. on Friday. So it's going to be on C.J. Pollard. It's going to be on Talanoa Hufunga. They said they're also going to move Chase Williams to safety this week uh, to give them a little bit more depth there. Right,
0: that's interesting.
2: A freshman who was playing the nickelback spots and a guy that they kind of expected that, or when they brought him in, they thought that maybe they, that he could eventually play safety as well.
0: He enrolled early, if you remember. He was there in the spring, so.
2: So that's what's your, your safety update. Uh, JT Daniels has a contusion on his hand. If you don't know what a contusion is, it's a bruise. Uh, so basically, what we are told, I didn't see the play exactly to, to note it. I don't know if you saw it uh, when you watched through the film again, uh, through your own film, but he apparently hit the chest of a player. When he followed through, he hit the chest of a player and bruised his hand somehow. Yeah. So, that's, so he ran back to the locker room, got it x-rayed, Came back out. There was nothing broken there. They had a, a separate MRI or x-rays again today, just to check, an MRI. No ligament damage, no anything else, just a bruise. So H- Helton said he's optimistic he'll be able to play this week. Yeah, I
0: think he'll be able to play. He's going to rest them today, rest them tomorrow for their practice that we don't get to go to. And then they'll reevaluate on Tuesday. So we'll we'll know more on Tuesday. We'll probably try to get there early and see if he comes out of the, the tunnel in pads. He should be. Then- he'll, he'll play. Uh, and, you, you had, I mean, that's something
2: that didn't get really talked about after the game. But how much did that play into, you know, the happy feet and the other things where he didn't get, you know, his hips into it like I was talking about earlier. How much does that play into it when, you you know, that's something as a quarterback, you don't really get banged up a bunch, especially the offensive line. He had in modern day. He didn't get banged up a bunch. No. So when you do have something, how much does that affect you mentally? Uh, so I think that was something that kind of went under the radar. But I think that probably had an impact, too, in that game.
1: Yeah. Jason has an interesting question. He says that his girlfriend noticed that uh, the offense looked defeated after the fourth down conversion, which led to a 14-point swing. Uh, He just says the the body language looked weird as far as the players go. Shotgun and Keeley, what did we see on the sideline? Um, for me, I while filming, I thought that the third quarter was the fourth based on I didn't understand. It just seemed the body language was so weird. as it, it, They just started to just trail off like, oh, it's the end of the game. And you look up, and they're only down by two touchdowns. It was weird. The whole time, it seemed like it's out of reach. It's too far. We can't do it. The offense is not working. And the whole time, until basically the, the first interception that JT Daniels threw, they were in the game. And so the body language is a little weird in that sense for me.
2: I didn't really notice it, but if that is the case, that comes from above. And the fact you're saying, "Well, we're probably going to make a mistake on this. We got to have quick drives rather than long drives." Right. If you're starting with a defeatist attitude, it's obviously going to carry down to your players. Right. So that starts with the coaching and you know how they prepare for this game. I know Dan harped on that in his instant analysis, uh, but. It's not just preparation. It's what you're doing in the game and how the vibe you're giving to the players at the same time. I know Clay Helton is, is really good about being a motivator for the players and stuff and, and being really upbeat. But you know, there's certain things that, that start coming out in your uh, in your speech that are saying a little bit different actually.
0: Yeah, I was watching. So from the press box, I had my binoculars out there. I tried <laughs> to look at the sideline sometimes to get a feel too. I think this was late third quarter, like maybe after the, the sack that we were just talking about. The defense was on the field, and I went over, and it was the far left of the bench was the area where the offensive line was. And it was almost like a campfire. Like, everyone was just kind of sitting, spaced out. It wasn't like this camaraderie thing where everyone's together. Neil Calloway was watching the play. wasn't, like, talk- It was just weird. It just seemed like no one was talking. They were just kind of sitting there. That's
1: how they always are, though. That's it's
0: so strange. Yeah, Calloway's usually over there. They're going over stuff. It's not like he's yeah. away from the group.
1: Well, no, not as far just, as Calloway, I mean, they were
0: obviously but... struggling, and there was, like, And maybe I just, I mean, I wasn't watching him the whole time, but there was no coaching going on. I didn't see any of that. Callaway does a lot on the sidelines during the game. Callaway does coaching.
1: I was more thinking of the body language and the demeanor of the O-line group as a whole. They're just pretty even keel. And whether whether that's good in in wins and bad in losses, I don't know. But that's just their demeanor.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think
2: it's partly the leadership of the group. I mean, that's the the attitude of Toa. I mean, that's his. He's a quiet guy. yeah. 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 So. And he even said, like, you know, somebody asked him after the game, you know, do you change, you know, as a leader, as a captain on this team, do you change? He's like, I can't change. I'll just think that's fake. Yeah.
0: Fair point. Well, well, yeah. I'll try to get, you to, this some... to get
2: truth to come out and, yeah. and be angry at somebody.
0: I'll try to get some of your Periscope questions, too. I know a bunch of people uh, watching there, but I got it on my phone. But we'll, we'll um, As far going. as
1: execution goes, that was a line that we heard a lot from players and coaches after the game. Where does execution stem from? Is that a practice thing? Where if you execute in practice and you execute in games, where does that whole line of of reasoning come from from players and coaches?
0: I mean, I think you're right. You have to, you know, practice things. But if you're not practicing them, how do you expect to do them well in a game? And when you're talking about when it's short yardage stuff, that's USC didn't do a good job converting on a lot of those plays. Uh, They would rush to the line of scrimmage that one play and try to, you know, and, and run a play real quick and it gets stuffed. You don't see them line up in goal line and just try to pound one-on-one, you know, going at each other, offense versus defense. You just don't see a lot of that. So that's what you kind of have to do against Stanford. So I think when Dan was getting upset of the way they practiced last week, it seemed like it was more of a... They're trying to rest their bodies and trying to be fresh for the game. Fresh legs. Fresh legs, but you you didn't really hit each other. You didn't really practice much to kind of get into that. So I, I think you're right. If you expect to execute in a game, you kind of have to see that in practice. They do some things, but I think a lot of the things that you didn't see them do well, they weren't really doing in practice. And why do you
2: need fresh legs for the team that runs the fewest offensive plays (laughs) you're going to face all year? And you're not going to go up-tempo either, so your offense isn't going to, you're not looking at them to run 100 plays in the game. Why do you need, why do you have to save their legs for this week? That doesn't make any sense to me. Hey, I know Stanford is physical. You take your bumps and bruises in the game, but your legs don't suddenly get tired because of Stanford hitting you hard it's from playing 30 extra plays that yeah. you have to face you know when you're facing to the board, yeah it goes up tempo and you're having to rotate more and do different things like that that's what causes the fresh le- you know yeah. dead legs not you know just because it's a physical game that's the bumps and bruises rather than dead legs
0: it would have been great to see last week you know changing it up claylin has a routine and they keep to it but if what if he just switched it up and said all right we're doing full pads tuesday and wednesday we're doing a lot of Ones versus ones. We're doing goal line. We're doing hit tackling. You know things like just you know for two practices. Like I think that would well, it's not you. Know, it's not about making the fans happy, but I think the fans would at least go, hey, they're trying. They're trying to do something different. When you don't do that and you kind of go in the opposite way and you look kind of soft in the game, then there's a reason why fans are like. Well, why did you practice like that? And the same thing this week. Like hey, maybe they need to bounce back and, and change the way practice. And, and Clay Elton said on the conference call, it's same thing. Uh, you know, full pads on Tuesday, shells on Wednesday uh situational mastery on thursday with no pad so they're not changing anything what they're doing and at some point with i I get it he says he doesn't want to panic he's coming in here he's not gonna it's not the end of the world is what he said on the conference call there's no reason to change everything you're doing a lot of the fans on twitter and and the message boards they want you to like fire this guy change this guy that's certainly not clay helton's mo uh you would like to see them do some things a little bit differently but i doesn't seem like they're going to
1: No, it doesn't. Um, In that same vein, uh, what do you feel about Helton, one, not making those changes? We expect he won't make those changes in in practice this week. But also, when he comes out in his presser, it's almost a glowing review of how how hard the team battled and their warriors out there where as Saban might have been a little bit more angry or something like that. how do you feel about Helton's positivity and a little bit of stubbornness of this is the way we're gonna do it and not really giving any ground of yeah we need to do better and we made mistakes.
2: Why are you being positive
0: after the game
2: if you're having a defeatist attitude during the game? <laughs>
1: That's You're fair, really harping on that yeah.
0: do. He doubled down on it to start the press conference too like after watching the film I say I think they played hard they, they played you know their hearts out and, and all this kind of stuff and I think those are one of those situations where you don't want to hear that you want to hear we got our butts kicked uh, we scored three points you know in a college football game. That's the kind of stuff you want to hear not like I get that he's trying to be positive but I just fe- think that that fell on deaf ears. And again, this game was pretty close yeah I mean
2: there, there's a few plays different directions and it's a three-point ball game
0: or whatever so but that's I what they think, said of the Ohio State game too you know like it was like oh we just didn't finish this drive we didn't do this well, they didn't it's yeah. the
2: same is exactly the same yeah. in regards of not finishing the drives it looked like the Atlanta Falcons with Steve Sarkeesian as the <laughs> offensive coordinator USC
1: connection
0: yeah oh, that's bad how did he not get Julio Jones a touchdown he's on my fantasy team <laughs> Um,
1: Make sure to get your (laughs) questions in. There's a lot of of ranting going on. But in that same uh, line of questioning, if Helton is being that positive to the media, which is understandable. I don't expect him to throw his uh, players under the bus. But is he turning around and then yelling at them is he giving them anything to be like hey we need to change this or is he giving them the same type of positivity motivation where how does he what is he like behind closed doors in that sense
0: yeah i I mean there there was a video that was put up from inside the locker room and it was all the players kind of blaming themselves and stuff and it did not people were tweeting it at me they didn't like it they were like what does he do like aren't the coaches taking any kind of uh, responsibility for this. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't know, Kiel. I'm not sure what's going on behind there. But it seemed that you watched that video, and fans were like, "Why are the players taking all the blame here?" Like this, uh, people feel that this is a talented team, and a lot of this is on the coaches. And you just don't see any of the coaches coming out and saying, "Hey, we sucked." Did T. Martin say that, or?
1: Uh, he said it was
0: that, execution. He
1: you know? said we need to get better. There's no doubt about it. But when asked about play calling, anything like that, he got very defensive. Um, when asked about why didn't we see Stephen Carmore, why didn't we see Elman Ross St. Brown, uh, it got a little contentious, and then eventually uh, T said, "Next question." Yeah. He just didn't want to, didn't want to talk about it. So, I mean. If you have your players out there on video trying to talk rapid reaction after a game and then you have your coaches not fully taking responsibility, it's a little... It's a bad look, not a great look.
0: Yeah, I mean, I give T. Martin credit. He stood out there for like 10 minutes answering everyone's questions and stuff. There was the one and he just kind of wanted to skip it. Uh, Someone was harping on that. But, you know, I asked him like, hey, is there too much talent on this team to only score three points? And he said, all the talent in the world doesn't matter if you don't execute. So it kind of came back to execution again. So to me, it's like... This is if if a different coach, different coaching group took these same players, they could do something better with it. So I think that's what it is. It's like, okay, they didn't do what you wanted them to do, but are you asking them to do the right things? Like, could someone else say, hey, do this. This is a little bit easier or whatever. You can figure it out and score a bunch of points. I don't know. But I'm just saying it just seems like someone else could do a better job. So as a coach, you have to figure out, okay, what we're doing, maybe we should change our approach. We need to do something different. It's not looked good the last Really, the last three games, from the Cotton Bowl, UNLV, and then this one. Uh, we, have a, we have a bunch of Periscopes. Sure. USC has no heart. Wow, uh, that's, that's from Damon. Uh, uh, Alan <laughs> says the same thing. USC has no heart. This comes from the coach. There's a lot That seems like a common theme, at least on Periscope.
1: Wow. Uh, Richard wants to know, where are the tight ends? Most of them are hurt, Richard.
2: Half of them are hurt. Three, three-fifths three of them are hurt. Um, and the other
0: ones don't catch the ball. so hold
2: on to the ball. <laughs> in the hands you don't hold on to it or you just fall down when you catch the ball yeah uh, so they were not legit threats there someone at earlier was asking uh, about why they did not use the middle of the field more i think partly that was probably stanford's stanford's game plan after seeing how well jt threw between the uh between the numbers to force them to make the throws on the outside, so I, I haven't got a chance to study, you know, where the safeties are and stuff like that yet. But I'm guessing that is going to be part of it. Um, so, you know, part of, part of where you throw the ball is dictated off of the other team. So I, I think that was why they didn't have it. Now, obviously, if they had Fallow and. Mara Bebe healthy as tight ends those guys are are more dynamic receivers in the middle of the field and give you uh, opportunities to potentially have yeah. you know some separation and some different things because even the the times when they were throwing to Tyler petit uh, I don't think they targeted Eric Roman Hook at all. Uh, that you know, there were guys on him immediately. The, the one exception being, you know, the ball that he dropped. Uh, you know, when they found the soft spot in the zone. Yeah. Good throw from JT goes up and catches the ball. But he kind of squirts free uh, after he takes the hit. So uh,
0: that's why you're not seeing the tight ends because you know. I mean, at this point, I don't even know if you want to put tight ends on the field because it doesn't seem like the group is blocking and they're not catching the ball. I mean, just put another. Uh, receiver out there. And, you know, talking to some people, Stanford didn't bring a lot of pressure. They were dropping seven guys into coverage a lot of times. So people were covered a lot. There was a lot of people back there uh, in coverage. And if you're not getting a little bit of separation, Clay Helton was asked about that. He felt that they were kind of getting separation. there, were, And there definitely was separation sometimes, but it just wasn't connected. If, if there wasn't separation, JT Daniels threw a better ball, but then uh, the defender would knock it away. Or if there was separation, he didn't really put the ball where it needed to be. So it just, again... People really weren't on the same page uh, than what the, you know what we saw. There were there were better connection between Amon Ra and JT in the first game. Tyler Vaughn's caught a bunch of balls in this game, but there were some other big plays that kind of left on the table. So it just it just wasn't clicking, wasn't working. Obviously, you score three points, it's not working.
2: And if Amon Ra is an inch forward, yeah, I have I a mean, touchdown. And I mean, is there's so many things that are so close to being different in this game, but when there's an accumulation of things that's when you have issues and so you can get over a mistake or two but when you just continually have small things that aren't getting done correctly you have a pooch punt it goes out at the 17 or is caught at the 17 yard line like that's giving up just that extra for yeah, that's yeah. 10 yards of field position you know because you expect on a pooch punt if you're going to punt from the 38 yard line it should be inside the 10 yard line
0: yeah otherwise don't punt
2: yeah, yeah. just go for
0: it i mean i think it was I had no six issues or something. Yeah, and I had no issues going people were harping on the fourth and two and stuff. No, I I it. think percentage-wise like you would you're on that side of the field, you can't mm-hmm. worry about I think you have to go for those in that situation.
2: And the same thing there, if you don't get sacked, that's an extra 11 yards. If you throw an incompletion, that's an extra 11 right. yards that the Stanford has to get with the, you know, with the clock winding down and stuff. So, there a lot of factors in that too and, and there was uh, one sack that JT took on a third down that pushed him out of uh, field goal range, it looked like, where they might have gone for it on fourth down. Um, so th- a, lot of, a lot of small things. Yeah. But they got to get something corrected. Uh, Apollo, yes, it is time to worry. It is time <laughs> to worry now. At first game and you're playing UNLV, you know, it's not time to worry then. Okay.
0: You're going to have first game mistakes. I Dude. think Br- Bruce is on. He's, he can't connect with the camera. Oh. Uh, Weird. But- So we'll try to connect Bruce then.
1: Well, before I try and connect Bruce, answer this question. uh, Matthew says, what everyone has been clamoring for so far in the comments, but in a nicer way. He says, do you see a possible coaching change at the end of the season if USC loses two or three more games?
0: the head, is he talking about head coaching or he just is, says
1: coaching, so he left yeah. it open. But a lot of people are calling if, for if they
0: go eight and four, or Clay Hilton still going to be the head coach. Yeah, I would think so. I think the only chance for Clay Hilton to be gone would be like seven and five. To be honest, like and you know if that's where it starts. Yeah, so. like Notre Dame and UCLA, there'd be a lot of pressure. I mean, there's pressure on him now. The the thing is going to be is if if it's an eight and four team, are there is he willing to make changes because uh, there need some changes that need to be made. And will there be pressure from the administration for him to make those changes if he doesn't want to make them? So I think that's that's the big question. We're just not really sure. Again, you hire a first time athletic director, you don't really know what they're gonna do. There's no track record there. Um, you know, and, and Clay's a first time head coach. He hasn't had to fire a childhood friend of his, like a, like a Neil Calloway or something, you know? What if, what if he had to fire his brother who left before? I mean, he's never had to do those things because he's never been a head coach. So, uh, there's a lot of questions there. are not really sure, but I think if it keeps going this way, now who knows? They could turn things around and win a bunch of games, but if they lose those games, that's when I think you might see some, some lower-level changes. As far as the high-level change, I mean, I think it would have to be a pretty bad season, and 7-5, I think, would qualify.
1: Interesting. Okay, we are going to try to bring in Fox Sports Bruce oh, Fellman. we
0: need uh. We're well, gonna try. To what? hear him, we need our things.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't even
0: think about that. Here, here's uh, a.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. I'll
0: plug it into here. Bruce.
1: No, it still says waiting for connections.
2: Oh
0: really? Yeah. Give me another question then while we're waiting.
1: Um, <laughs> let's see.
0: Yeah, that should that should work. Okay.
1: Um, let's go to. The running backs position. What did you guys see from Stephen Carr and oxeter Gurev?
0: I mean, I thought they played. I got people on my Twitter saying like, "Oh, they, you know, why are they playing him?" There was a lot of questions about. Did you see more Stephen Carr? I thought. I thought the rotation was fine. You know, there was just every once in a while, um, you'd get a back. They would get a handoff and just get hit in the backfield. You know, I thought. They all made some pretty good plays. Vi, I think, had a nice third down conversion uh, with Matt Fink when he was in there. Uh, Stephen Carr, all of them, I think, had some decent drives. There was a time when Ware's yards per carry was a lot lower than what Stephen Carr's was. But then he had some, some bigger runs later. I didn't have an issue with that. I wasn't like, oh, you need to do more Stephen Carr. It wasn't like none of them broke a big touchdown run. So it wasn't like you're preventing that I thought they all had some pretty good some things going
2: yeah I was a little confused when that question came up I didn't I, being on the field I don't see the stat sheet and everything so I was like did he not play that much compared to him uh I mean I'll give you the, in a couple of days we'll have the full snap counts and we'll yeah. see if he was on the field and maybe they just didn't run the ball on those plays exactly what it was there Uh um, where being the starter you expect him to get a couple more carries um so we'll see if if they don't feel like Stephen Carr got enough touches, then if he starts getting more, if he even moves in the starters role, that could potentially happen. I I agree with you. I didn't see any reason to say, oh, that guy just completely missed the hole there or anything, that there were bad runs in that regard. So I'm not sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Ken wants to know if somehow uh, play calling is holding JT Daniels back.
0: I mean, play calling is like this catch-all thing. Um, I mean, I think I would look more at, what are they asking him to do? What's the play design? What, you know, it's not just, are there like these amazing plays that they're never u- using? I think it's more just about how the design is and trying to put him in a position to succeed. And, you know, maybe he is in a position to succeed, except they, Stanford rushes four guys and they get to him and they, they don't really have time to run the thing they want to run. It's, it's hard to say. It all kind of goes, uh, I think it all kind of goes together. I, I don't think it's just you pick the wrong plays all the time. It's really got to be a flow of the offense and getting, to, getting it all at work.
2: Yeah, and the fact that they actually did move the ball some, similar to Ohio State, they moved the ball some. Yeah. You also have to have that set of plays that get you in the end zone, which is what they did not have in this game.
0: If anything, it's the red zone stuff or when you get close to it. And uh, I think our buddies at of Troy, at least they call it like the USC special. Uh, I think it was second quarter where like USC had a good drive going. And I think they were running the ball. I think it might have been Stephen Carr and Aka where Ware running the ball. First and 10, they throw a deep, like, fade into double coverage to Devin Williams, who has not caught a pass in his collegiate career. Um, seemed like a strange kind of candidate. And then they go, they, usually when you do that, it's always like a run up the middle that is telegraphed and gets stuffed. I think it was Stephen Carr for a minus two. And then they tried to throw a screen on third and long that just got blown up. So it was like a promising drive. Was the question you know, was that the play to throw a deep to Devin Williams on that one? It just seemed like that derailed the drive at that point.
2: And how many times have we seen those plays where you're like, why is that guy in there or whatever? None of them are successful. That's the yeah. thing. It's like the yeah. fade to Josh Fowler at Washington State. Like, why are you suddenly putting a guy in there to? I mean, the Devin
1: Williams play. That's where. Oh, yeah, no, sorry, I was. So you're like working.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, when you're looking at those plays, like a lot of times you put a guy in there. That, you know, he's he's worked his way up, or whatever it may be. You're a freshman. They won't know about him. It's to surprise the other team. None of those are surprising them and getting touchdowns. So why does it keep happening?
0: Yeah. Les Miles mentions on the uh, Periscope, interesting.
1: Okay, so we we can't get Bruce. We're not getting Bruce. It's not working. Um, Sorry, there was a pop up that came up. It wasn't an ad. That was me trying to get Bruce. Didn't work. So (laughs) apologies, apologies to Bruce as well. Uh,
0: We'll get him on a different show. I mean, he's local, so he just wasn't feeling good today. So we'll try to get
1: him next time. Um, A lot of questions of where does USC go from here? I know Helton said it's not the end of the world. I know a lot of Texas what (laughs) to Texas literally they go to Texas that's what Dan said when I asked him on instant analysis but I mean USC has had a loss in a Pac-12 play two years before Utah and then uh, I think it was Wazoo last year so I mean it's not the end of the world technically but based on what we saw against UNLV and uh, Stanford it doesn't look very promising
0: no I mean Opening, you know, road Pac-12 games, USC's not doing all that well. I think Clay Helton's 8-7 and seven as a USC head coach away from the Coliseum. Um, it's going to be tough, but I, like I said before, it kind of caught magic in the bottle in 2016, and you had Sam Darnold coming in. He ended up losing that game at, at Utah, but there was a, you know, Clay Helton was very optimistic because you kind of saw what special player he was. The problem is it seems like you relied on that special player a lot. It wasn't like you were trying to put him in the best, not that they weren't trying, but they weren't necessarily putting him in the best situations all the time. He was just that special. I think J.D. Daniels could be a very, you know, a, an excellent quarterback. I mean, He looks really good to me. He could be an excellent quarterback. He'll look better than what you saw against Stanford, but a lot of that has to be on the coaches to put him in those kind of situations. I'm not sure if USC goes to Texas and loses, which, you know, certainly a possibility, uh, that they're gonna be able to bounce back anywhere near what they did in 2016. 2016 if you remember every you know it was one in three people were just talking about fire him now. why did you hire him and all this kind of stuff. then they make this magical run through a kind of mediocre pac 12 great win uh, on the road at Washington. obviously great win in the Rose Bowl and uh, it was lighting a bottle and it was great you know, it was a great it was a great run there and I think that set some expectations. this year I'm just not sure if you're gonna be able to do something like that. I mean he's done it before. But I think it would be a lot tougher now because you're not making that big change. You're not going from Max Brown to Sam Darnold.
2: If you don't clean up some stuff, then anyway, it's not going to matter. It's yeah. You're going to see similar. The, the problem isn't, I don't even think it's the play call. I mean, you could say there's some things, but it's the inconsistency of players. Players are not, and and that while that goes on the players, it's the coach's fault. For not getting them to be consistent players, it's the offensive line. They can't com- continually make a drive down the field without having a mistake. You know, whether it be a communication or a physical. beat. you know, uh, talking to Chris Brown, he said one of the things that Stanford did that they had some issues with were doing some longer stunts. You know, guys coming from a couple gaps over into it, and you know, so how quickly can you get those things cleaned up? They eventually got them cleaned up, but. Having something thrown at you different shouldn't always throw you off. And it seems like with USC, it always throws the, uh, yeah. the, oh, we saw They did something different on, than we saw on tape. We're not prepared to, to, to make an adjustment on the fly. It takes us a little while, so it takes a couple drives. Then we'll make that adjustment. So you've wasted a couple drives because of something new. Yeah, And it seems like this is the constant thing. There's just inconsistency. This whole look at the play sheet, it's just inconsistency. You you drive the ball, you drive the. Dro- okay, we can't get past the thirty. Can't do that. No, right. that's that's going to be way too much uh, to handle for us.
1: And the interesting thing is, I was asking Tyler Vaughn because he kept saying execution. I was like, well, what does that mean? Like that's just a word. And he and the, he finally got around to saying, well, I think once we cross a certain mark on the field, we suddenly get very aware and we try to score. And uh. before it becomes very natural, we're just moving the ball. It's going, it's going, and then we get to a certain area on the field and suddenly people are thinking too much, people are trying too hard, and it doesn't seem natural. So, why, if that's a mental error, if that's just not doing it enough in practice to where it's natural in the red zone, I yeah. don't know. But men- mental errors are, are something that needs to be fixed, for sure.
0: And I think you have it has to be mental errors, and I'm, I'm curious to see when Shotgun, he's, he's better at looking at the tape than I am when he goes through this stuff, but when you're talking about seven men protecting one guy, and four people rushing you can almost double team all of them like how many screw ups do there have to be to let a guy run free because you have seven blockers so if one guy screws up there's still like two other guys that could pick him up or three other guys that could pick I mean, it's crazy that how many mistakes do you have to make to give up a sack when you have a four you know four man rush against seven blockers i don't know but that just seems you know crazy to me
1: we've kind of alluded to this but it seems like sometimes there's just little things that just go off like shotgun mentioned the Amon Ra almost getting his foot down for a touchdown is it possible that suddenly things can start clicking or at least chemistry can build up between the wide receivers and then things start moving and it's things are fixed or is this something where it's just not going to get better
2: i think you see a similar progression as you did last year where it seemed like receivers were off at the beginning of the season uh, and then they, you know, when Tyler Vaughn started getting more and more playing time because he had already built up a chemistry with Sam Darnold. But that was a personnel I,
0: thing; they they were making back that was decisions. partly it. Yeah.
2: But I think I think with this group, like, I think you'll see a similar your trajectory as they'll get better because I think that that, that uh, chemistry between the Pittman and Vaughn's and those guys on the outside with J T. will get better. I think that's that will happen. If they can play better on the offensive line, this team has all the potential in the world. I think if the offensive line somehow solidifies and gives JT time and creates a little bit of running, they don't have to you know, gas people for 300 yards a game. But if they can run for 150 a game to 200, they'll win every game on the schedule. There's no team that, that if the offensive line plays well, there's no team that will beat them just by outplaying them, yeah. I, I don't think. I think it's all on the offensive line. We said it before the season. You know, I gave them a little bit of a pass on the first, uh, you know, the first week. I know you guys were upset about it. Now sunshine pumping. It takes a little bit of time to get chemistry and stuff going in the first game. I gave them a little bit of a break on that, but now you got to get going. Yeah. Now you had Toa back in the line, line up. Uh, so, yeah, you got your redshirt senior. you got to start playing better.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, like Shotgun said, this team is very talented. They could turn it around. There's no reason they couldn't. Except for what we've been seeing, <laughs> it would have something would have to change, and that's what I think a lot of the people are harping on. Like they don't, it doesn't seem like the coaches feel they need to change the approach at all. I kind of think you need to do something different because it's, I don't know if you want Drevno helping out in there, but there's, I, to me, it seemed like there was a lot of mistakes on the line.
2: It, it, it is all the offensive line. You give the offensive line, even play calls aren't great. Okay, well if, if he has five seconds to throw. One of those receivers is going to break open. Yeah. They'll cha- they'll break off their route, or they'll do something different. So it's all on the offensive line. If those guys block better, this team will win. All
1: right. We have a question from Andrew.
2: Hi, Andrew.
1: He says, is it just me, or were, were, or was there a lot of contact on our receivers that was not called? Don't know what my mouth just did, but there you go.
0: Yeah, a lot of pass interference not called. But there wasn't game. a lot of penalties called. USC only had four penalties, which is strange. Did you, know? you feel like USC was hanging
2: all over their receivers, though?
0: that you, now, you maybe playing play a little soft maybe they should have been yes because they weren't calling that being stuff.
2: more aggressive and going after it. and you also saw i mean the one of the last plays that was shown before we started uh day when we were watching the tape is that's you know biggie marshall basically going out of bounds with our second white side with how much contact there was you usually figure something's being called yeah. even though like looking at the replay it looked like it was a good call if there wasn't anything because yeah. we like our white side actually but was normally morning. in the pac-12 that's a penalty yes. So maybe you have to adjust and say, hey, they're not calling anything right now. Let's be more aggressive and go after them. But again, I, I think after the first half, they didn't really throw the ball for a lot of success. They didn't
0: have to. Yeah, I mean, I think so. in the second half, just you weren't going to have as many opportunities to, to do that. And Stanford just, they manned up and, uh, and they came after the receivers. They came after JT Daniels with just a four-man rush. And they put pressure on this offense and the offense didn't, didn't respond.
2: I mean, Amon Ra, I mean, I posted the picture. He's actually getting pulled down while he's trying to jump. So, no, that's not
0: the pass interference. Yeah. Tyler Petit got, you know, crushed. But if you're dropping balls, too, and it makes it look like you're not that good of a pass catcher, it's kind of like if Doesn't you're, a, if, you're an off, if you're an ump, you know, and, and this pitcher's wild and he throws a ball in the corner, you're probably not going to call it a strike because he's been wild the other times. Yeah. You know?
1: Jonathan wants to know, what do you think is USC's toughest Pac-12 matchup after seeing how other schools have performed so far?
0: Ooh, good one. Uh, okay, so Cal looks pretty good. Uh, I don't think that's a cakewalk. They, uh, I don't, don't think they, they got look a nice, pretty good, though. They're not have a nice win. Yeah, okay. On the road, BYU, that's pretty good. Uh, Just because Arizona, BYU beat Arizona? I don't, I don't think BYU is very good either. Like I said, Arizona's butt. Okay, so. <laughs> exactly, and they barely beat them, so now you're giving BYU credit. Well, I mean, BYU's was, not that it was good, either. good It was pretty Calism, good. It was pretty good. Cal's okay. Cal's okay. I think Arizona State is, like, legit. This real. I still don't. I'm not a big Herm Edwards fan, but he came in, kept things the same, let the coordinators do what they need to do. Um, he says he's not the CEO, but it seems like he's more like the CEO. he His clock management was fine in that game, like crazy, like stuff that he, like he hasn't been around for 12 years or something. You're worried about it, so I think ASU got legit offense. Maybe kill Harry could he be the best player in the conference? I mean, he's he's up there. Um, still taking Bryce Love. Yeah, Bryce Love. Still, but you know, that's a like a team that could score on you, and if you can't score. As USC, then you know they could definitely beat you. Uh, I think Utah still. You're going to play them on the road. Yeah. That's going to be tough. Um, I just think going on the road in Utah is their toughest. Probably yeah. And Colorado at home. Like if you're not playing well, like they could come and beat you. They they look like Stephen Montez and Cheneau, Like what's the guy's name? Lavaca, Chenault. Like their sophomore receiver is like freaking ridiculous. He has 400 yards receiving in the first two games. So he's I like think you're,
2: you're taking steps to get his
0: name. Last week you didn't know his name at all. Cheneaux, like. <laughs> This I is, almost is got it. I think it's Chenault or Chenault, I don't know, but he's like.
2: Couple yeah. more Pac-12 <laughs> podcasts, you'll have it down. Yeah, we we're
0: like I don't know. We don't have to say his name, but he's like freaking good.
2: Uh, Brody asked uh, thoughts on Pink's uh, Fink's performance. He thought he performed uh, pretty admirably considering the circumstances.
0: Come in, uh, sudden change thing. They ran. I thought I thought the offense ran really well with him. The problem was. Third and ten, when you know he's going to throw, it, 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 he just looked like a deer in headlights. So that's
2: yeah, that drive was perfectly fine until they lost five yards on a run. Yes. And then it's like okay, now it was and that was it's Stephen Carr, you.
0: by the way, you know? So it was like I think mean, it was Sedway actually. No, I think it was Stephen Carr. Was it not? No. Uh, will take a look. We'll well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Carr. But can I just rewatch it again? But yeah, no, I thought he did. I, I thought he did a nice job. But it was a different looking kind of offense, you know. So, uh, but that five yard loss uh, really hurt them. And then third and ten, it just didn't look like. It just didn't look like a confident like they all we know that he can drop back there and throw a pass. You want if you want a USC offenses need to be third and 10. Like remember when Matt Liner was back there third and 10, third and 15 like you expect them to complete the ball and, and get a first down. It just didn't look like they were expecting that at that point. Like it was like up oh, third and 10, the drive's over. It was not considered work. I was right.
1: <laughs> Gary I think Walker <laughs> Gary Walker says, if JT Daniels struggles next week and USC loses to Texas, would you consider benching him or is he your QB regardless for the whole season?
0: I think the fact that he played with a bruised hand means he's your QB. I don't think there's any way they're going to change it. Like he was hurt and they want to put him back in. So I think he's your QB. I
2: think it would depend if the offense line was just absolute studs and he had time and he just made really bad decisions then maybe you would consider it but if he's under pressure the whole time he's running around I don't think
0: if you really think like the offensive line is that awful we need to just run zone read thing and like basically what smaller teams do that can't compete with the athletes of bigger teams they want to run those kind of things where they're spreading it out and do it like that's basically what you have to do and we're going to put Fink or Sears in there and just be a zone read team and throw the ball every once in a while when you don't expect it do you believe is, that? Or that's it? sad. But the that's, fact that
1: you're mentioning that with USC and the talent that right. they have and the recruiting classes that they've got every year, that's just
0: ridiculous. Right, <laughs> yeah. The top recruiting, yeah. So people talk about, like, talent stuff. USC's had the number one ranked Pac-12 recruiting class for over a decade. Like, uh, I mean, it's been forever. Uh, top five nationally, like, the last five years. I think one year was number eight or something, but four, four, and two. So there should be enough players on this team that you can do better than what you did. Someone asked, do you believe that our coaching staff lacks experience in leadership? Rapid fire, yes.
1: Experience, yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that you don't really know. You make a decision, like if you make a decision not to put money into your 401k, it doesn't bother you right now. You actually have things that are a little bit better. But 40 years from now, when you go to retire, you're like, oh, crap, I never put money in my 401k. So that decision takes a long time. For the The, the bad decision takes a long time to particulate to the top, to the surface, and they actually bear fruit. If you hire a quarterback coach who's never been a full-time quarterback coach before for a rookie quarterback, whoever it was going to be, I'm not saying Brian Ellis can't be, maybe he's the greatest quarterback coach ever, I don't know, but I know he's never been in this position before. He's never had to do it. He's never done this job. He's never taken a, a freshman quarterback who's had a rough game and knows what to say to him because he's done it before. Those are things that you have to think about. Why did you promote some from within, uh, a, an analyst, as opposed to going out and getting some guru that's done it for 15 years and can take a young quarterback and take him under his wing and maybe help him? So all those things, I think, decisions. It's lack of. It's lack of. Um, what was the, What was the question? It wasn't lack of leadership. It was lack of experience. Because yeah, you hire people that have never done the job before. So by definition, they don't have the experience.
1: Shotgun looks like he's gearing. Yeah, up you to don't like it. All right. Do you, <laughs> so you that, love
0: Brian i I'm not saying that I, hires I, fine. Is a I quarterback like How many quarterback coaches do you know in the nation? I
2: can't name a single other one. Uh, quarterback coaches matter. First time head coach at a powerhouse that's supposed to be a national power. That's much, much more okay. of a of an error. Now, yeah, granted. We all like Clay Helton. We hope he does well because he's such a, a nice a nice fellow. Yeah. However, the hiring process was incorrect. Sure, 100%. That should have never happened. You don't hire a first-time head coach for a spot like USC. Alabama didn't go out and hire a first-time head coach. They went and got someone who'd already won a national championship. Yeah. And look how well it's done for him.
1: And what Chuck and I have said before is that now USC fans are stuck with that situation where now you're, you're stuck with a first-time head coach learning on the job. This is just what it is. It's not,
0: it's just, it's. That's part, that's what compounds the problem though. Because with, when you're a first time head coach, but then you get a first time, like I would limit the first times I'm hiring also because you're a first time head coach. Justin Wilcox hired head coach to be his offensive coordinator, head coach to be his defensive coordinator. It's like smart. You've never done this before. probably get people that have done it. On your staff, that's not what Clay Heldon has done, and I th- I think that's part of the problem.
1: Yeah, if you surround yourself with people that have more experience, I think you get away with Clay Heldon not having as much experience. But that's not the case, and we see him hanging on to people that maybe should have been refreshed.
2: Well, Just those like, are the Those are the ones you guys want. Those are the most experienced coaches on the staff. But
1: true, <sighs> okay. and
2: a former head coach in Neil Calloway. Yeah, at UAB, and John Baxter has been. Whatever the second in charge was at places. So you Can't have it both ways. You gotta pick one or the other. But right. you
1: can have two separate things. You, yeah. you yeah. to have, have experience either. and you can still Refresh if you aren't seeing the results. Yes?
0: A refresh would be.
1: Refresh. Potentially Plus, sometimes
0: you exactly. need to refresh. I think. Oh,
1: we're getting a lot of calls. Uh, sh- someone asked if Shocking can be an offensive coordinator. Someone asked if Ryan can be the head coach. This sounds like a pretty good team to I, me.
0: I got a lot of tweets. People asking me to like, can you go down and coach? It's like, <laughs> no, I can't. They're like, why is Amon Ross St. Brown getting the ball? And they had an Ojo
1: uh, package. They had a yeah, package for Amon Ross
0: St. Brown, but they didn't really. Whatever that package was, probably throw it away because it didn't work. And it, you know,
2: uh, uh, from what it sounded like, it was just that they had a package where Amon would play with. Michael Pittman and Tyler Vaughn's He would be they, in the slot, yeah. Which they actually showed the previous week, so I don't
0: know how much of a new package it necessarily was.
1: Got a special name. That's what I'm
0: It does sound cool. If you <laughs> name it, it better be, like, freaking good. Okay. <laughs> not like, he didn't ever get the ball. We had a package for him. It's like. It's not like the
2: dory package or something where you're bringing a guy. Yeah. yeah. Do it. He was already in the game. He's already going to play. It's just that the, the personnel grouping he was with, more than a package, I would say.
1: We're getting towards the end of the show, so if you want to get your final questions in, so maybe some rapid fire questions, we will answer them. We're gonna we're just getting a lot of comments. So if we if you want something answered, be sure to comment it. Facebook, I am monitoring, shotgun is monitoring,
0: YouTube. I, I got, think
1: the boss man management. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um yeah, Dury wants to know, Brian Ellis, what did he even accomplish in his playing career? I don't think that matters, like if you're talking about what it, how successful of a player he was. It's just really he's never done that coaching job before. That's what I have an issue. So
2: since he was like a backup quarterback, he might know exactly what needs to be said because he probably wasn't the greatest quarterback. I mean, I know what sounds good. Yeah. You know, what I need to hear after. Yeah. I
0: mean, everyone's got to get the first job sometime. It's just tough when you put him in a situation of a highly ranked team with a first-time whoever the quarterback was. Um,
1: How hot would you say the seats are for USC's coaching staff?
2: It's just you don't feel like there's going to be any no. In-season firings, And now maybe you're talking no, about at the
0: end of the season. That's not Clay Helton's MO at all. Like, just talking on the call, I mean, he's like, stay the course. It's not the end of the world. So fans are throwing, you know, jumping off buildings. Like, Clay Helton is not. It really, like we said before, it's going to come down to at the end of the season, how much pressure is on the administration, will they put on him, and will they put some pressure on him to make some some changes? He's not going to – I mean, it would be like – twisting his arm to try to make a change like that. Someone like Linzwan would have to come down and say, you need to fire this guy or something. And that's maybe that would happen. But I, I just don't see it happening.
2: If the offensive line plays better, it solves everything. Right. Just for maybe special teams.
1: <laughs> Jason says, why don't we use Bayless Jones as a downfield threat? He seems like the one guy who has legit speed on this team.
2: You know, that that's a great potential usage. However, they've gotten guys behind defenders. They just haven't connected.
0: Yeah. yeah. Soup Nazi. He said, ignores my username, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's cool. <laughs> What's up with Jack Sears? Um, yeah, he's the third string quarterback. So that, I, I think if you had to put him in for JT Daniels, I don't know if he would have run the offense as well. I mean, I thought Matt Fink ran it really well until he had to throw the football. But as a quarterback, that's kind of what you need to do. So I think Jack Sears looked way better throwing the football that I saw in practice. So, but I don't know. He's a third string guy. So you're not going to see him apparently. A lot of people have asked
2: about recruiting tight ends why recruit them ldr asked why recruit tight ends if you're not using them just recruit wide receivers um they use the tight ends tight ends are on the field a lot they use two tight end sets yeah. at times there is not there's a connecting in the passing game
0: right now they're all banged up right now it's yeah i'm not sure what they've at, lost them like a Kerry angeline's gone you know, there's yeah it's uh you know daniel metro is like the guy that I think you would love to have on the field Josh uh, Follow. I think you know dynamic athlete, but those guys aren't around right now. So, uh, and it doesn't seem to be working. The guys that are left, it doesn't seem to be really working.
1: Kobe wants to know: Do you think USC will finish with a 10-win season?
0: No. Do you think?
2: You can get 11 if the offensive line is <laughs> better. No, I think it's not. I think
0: it's Yeah, three. I think. I mean, right now, like before, I thought. There was a pretty wide range, seven and five to eleven and one. Like I, I I think that's off the table. So I think nine and three is probably the ceiling right now. Like yeah. if things get better. Like if it gets better nine and three. No, if it gets better, then you get eleven.
1: I said nine and three from the season before the season started and I'm sticking to it.
0: Yeah. I, I really thought they were going to play a lot better against Stanford. Um but but they didn't, so uh, YouTube ask them questions. They're just comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: YouTube's having their own conversation with each
0: other. <laughs> uh, we have uh, T. Goodford. Do you think there is a lack of diversity in the offensive formations/slash looks? You do. You do all the. There's a, a little, lot of looks, right? A lot of looks. But it seems like a lot of the plays are the same from those looks. Yeah. So that's probably. I don't think it's a matter of. They'll try to do different for formations, but it does seem like they're running the same sort of thing a lot.
1: Um. Sorry, reading a YouTube comment. Um,
0: <laughs> they're interesting. Huh? They are
1: interesting. They're ha- but like I said, they're having their own conversation. Um, reading a lot of questions <laughs> about physical practices. Do you think at all that anything would change?
0: Clayton said it's not changing. Like he he not like no one asked him that. He just said Tuesday full pads, Wednesday shells, Thursday uh, uh, situational mastery. Right? Is that the term? He, yeah.
1: Yes.
0: Um, so no, I don't think that's. He doesn't change that, and when it gets to November, they're going to do no pads for November. Like it's, he's not going to change his philosophy. And I get it when people ask, like, or I mean, I guess I don't get it when they're like, "Why don't they put a fullback in there and run?" It's like, no, that's not the offensive philosophy. But he has a coaching philosophy, and he's, he's got there, and this is what he believes. So I don't think he's going to change that at all.
2: Situational mastery Thursdays. However, <laughs> what situation do you think they have mastered?
0: Um, not scoring. (laughs) There's no, like, saying, like, they're really, really good at this one thing. Yeah. They did a good job against Bryce Love, stopping him up the middle. Um, They did a good job on third down against Stanford. They gave up a couple long ones, which, you know, a little disconcerting, but they they did some good things on the defensive side of the ball, for sure. Um, But they gave up some big plays, and you're going to do that every once in a while, but the defense was fine. I don't know what the offense is mastering, but it wasn't anything
2: good. It, you, the thing was, Clay gave us a tease too. Be- leading into the UCA, UNLV game, they they went with multiple padded practices, like oh, I know they're actually going to change something. Well, mock game week, yeah,
1: it was it was one of the most physical practices we've seen in the Clay Hilton era. And we were like, okay, if this is what it's going to be, then that's good.
0: Dan Webware um, said that. I mean, he called that, too. He's like, I really like what they're doing now. The problem is once they start preparing for games, they change it. And they I'm, changed it.
1: Clay Helton even said at one point, I I'm, I don't really want to do as much scout team. I prefer ones versus ones. What did we see all last week?
0: It was, scout it team. It was no, back to
2: Stanford is, is difficult because they have so yes. many packages and things. I think that's one team you have to do a ton of scout team work against. So. But still. Uh, maybe they got to bring Achilles and Bubba back just for practice
0: to get things chippy again. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's fire. not many fights that those guys are gone, you know. And you lost your chippiness. Yeah. Where's, where's
1: James Tolan when you need
0: him? I know. <laughs> um,
2: Tina says, it,
1: do you think the offense is too predictable?
2: Uh, they are predictable to an extent, as you see You know, some defenses jump on certain routes. Yeah. But sometimes you you let that happen on one play so that you can throw the counter to it on the next play. I mean, like the hitches. i have not seeing a lot
0: of the counters. Well,
2: there. the the one throw to Tyler bonds we talked about earlier was a hitch and go that they got the cornerback bit on. He's open on it. he just got to connect. Yeah. So there were some times. There's some things in there they've done that because things are this much off, you don't see the, the – uh, the, uh, the outcome you want afterwards. You don't want to see that the reward paying off for the guy being on top of you on that hitch route the first time. so
0: I don't like when they don't do tempo, and then once they do it, like you know exactly what's going to happen, and the defense knows exactly what's going to happen. They're ready for it, and they stop it. It's just like there's, there's definitely some predictability uh, in there that I don't like.
1: We have a YouTube question that says, do you think the run game will be a factor against Texas, and how will they protect JT this time around?
0: I mean, the run game will certainly be a factor. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think they have to run the ball. Uh, I don't think you're going to rely on JT Daniels to throw it 40 times and, and win. I think they're going to have to play better up front, like Shotgun said, and, and be effective around the football. They had some effective runs in this, and there were just some ineffective ones that would come in at opportune times. But, yeah, they're yeah, it's not going to abandon the run. Yeah.
2: Um, Jose asked, uh, why is it that when anyone mentions Clay Helton, the first word out of their mouth is he's a good guy, never a good coach.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. Like, there's just... You have to look at the, his resume to this point. Um, and, you know, he's done some really good things at USC. I mean, he won the Rose Bowl. He, he, you know, won 11 games and won the Pac-12. So, but you're not seeing a lot of people just say, oh, yeah, like, he's the coach I want. He's the, you know, he's a really good coach. Um, I think if he can turn it around and and play better, like you said, and go and win the Pac-12 this year after, like, you know, falling on your face against Stanford, I, I think... You, you would put that as another feather in his cap and like, hey, you know, I think he is a good coach. Look, he did this, they were screwing up, and they, he fixed it, you know. You, I think you're going to want to see stuff like that. Because there's still room for improvement. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why it is. I mean. I but think too that's many people the feel like, and th- the problem is now that Sam Darnold is gone, there was too many people when Clay was having success that they said, it was all Sam Darnold. Like basically, Clay had nothing to do with. Which still are plenty. Of. Well, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Now they're they're more abundant. There's more of them, uh, which I don't think is fair at all. But if they really really struggle with a five star quarterback that everyone thinks is like. Uh, you know the second coming, then people are gonna say like, man, you need a Sam Darnold back there to, to fix the the problems.
1: Do you think Helton does get a pass this year? Because at the end of the day, you have a true freshman quarterback who should be in his senior year, or is it things around that factor?
0: He made. I mean, he chose to start the guy, and he had two guys that you know, one guy that's been in the program for a couple of years. I mean, one of them should have been able to to lead this team. So I I don't think you get a pass just because you picked uh, an eighteen year old kid. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. No pass.
1: No pass. Um,
0: you recruited the guys questions? like if you know, you're starting dudes that you think are, are the best. So, you, you gotta win. You don't get like two years to, to fix it.
1: It's true. Any final questions? Get them in. Shotgun. what's YouTube saying? Periscope? How are we doing?
2: Uh, Ron Major said Dan Weber hit the nail on the head. It's the soft practices. Wasn't helping there for the Pete Carroll days?
1: No, no, it no. was
2: not. <laughs> um, Why does Adoga look like he did as a freshman? I think he actually has changed his body a little bit this year. Um, you tell coming into the season he had a larger chest and looked to be in a little bit better shape as well. He's been nicked, he got nicked up again in that game. That's something Clay did not even mention, but he left the game at the end. Uh, oh yeah. He got I don't remember exactly what happened. I have to wait till I see the, the game again. But he he left the game uh, on one of their late drives. I think the the first interception he left in the game on that drive. Okay.
1: What do you agree with? Uh, how do you feel about? You have three linemen that don't play towards the end of the week, and then they all start. I mean, are they? Do you feel like they're prepared? That's making them fresh legs, quote unquote. How do you feel about that? Are you prepared enough to play if you basically are sitting out? No,
0: I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying that's the reason, but they, from what I was watching the tape, the offensive line struggled. So that's probably the wrong decision. I mean, looking back, like, it, you know, if that's what it takes, then play guys that were practicing.
2: And Tolo Lobandon actually rolled his ankle on Wednesday night. He said so that was part. That was why he didn't practice Thursday. Not the pec muscle. Uh, so he said he got two injuries. And now. he said it was actually pretty bad. He said he got. He said he basically got two weeks of treatment in two days to be able to play in that game. So again, give him props just for being able to play. Oh, yeah. Right.
0: Yes. But right, as a coach, you just time. go like, you know what? We're going to go with Brett Nealon. And, and and when you're healthy, come back. Like you could do that. Do you want a redshirt freshman against? Stanford,
2: yes. Cyrus Hobby. I, you know. I mean,
1: you could put Brett in there if he's not doing well. Pull him out and put Toa in. I mean, you could see what if this hurts Toa going forward. Is it worth it?
0: It's, that's the. I mean,
2: that's it, always the dynamic with injuries. You have yeah. to figure out
0: is how. If they all played great and the offensive line kicked ass, then you wouldn't be asking this. But no. they didn't. They played poorly, and so you're wondering: losing three offensive linemen in practice, and they did So they didn't basically practice, and then you let them play. Was that was that a problem? I mean, Mike, I, you don't know for sure, but it seems like it would be.
1: Yeah. I mean, on Wednesday, Toa wasn't even blocking with his left hand in practice, with his left arm. At that point, are you jeopardizing other reps for other guys that they could be getting in, in preparation for Stanford? I don't know.
0: Coaches can be stubborn sometimes like that. You want to go with the veteran guys. Uh, even if you have a really good backup, you remember, I mean, we are talking about the Stanford, you know, going on the road to Stanford was a Uh or whatever uh, was it 2009 when uh, Travita Pritchard and beats USC as a 41 point underdog Jim Harbaugh beats Pete Carroll John David Booty breaks his finger and they do not want to take him out and you have Mark Sanchez on the bench who's an NFL quarterback and they're like nope we're going to go with the injured guy just that's what they felt comfortable with so I mean it happens a lot but at some point you're like you know you're too hurt just uh, let the other guy go in
2: Someone asked what what you thought of uh, Justin Dedech at tight end. You know that extra lineman, but that was actually Brett right. Nealon this week. Uh, he was wearing the 99 jersey. They switched that over for that package. So Neilan was Neilan was actually in the game yeah. at some points uh, in that package. Um, you know they, they do some different things like that. They bring an extra lineman, and they do have done some different things. A couple years ago, I think it, I think it was two years ago, used uh, Chuma at the tight end spot. Um, you know he was lined up in the tight end spot. He was a legal receiver just on the end of the line. Uh, So they do. Going back to the different looks they get, there's a lot of different looks. uh, So, but sometimes they give away stuff apparently because defenses are on top of some other things.
1: Interesting.
0: Should we wrap it up?
1: Probably. Shakan, you look like you have a question that you're about to say.
0: I'm still scrolling. Uh, There's a lot. lot I'm sorry. Yeah, it's hard to scroll through them because there's so many comments that you missed the questions. Yeah, over here on
1: Facebook, we've been having five straight minutes of different head coach uh, (laughs) options. A lot yes. of Lane Kiffin, which I don't know why you would bring him oh back. God. <laughs> Jack Del Rio, Resurrect no. Jay O'Kay. There's a lot of options
2: over here. Um, no, no, no. Originally no. when they hired Sark, my choice was Dabo Sweeney, so that was that would also
1: have,
2: in those prior Facebook to him to, uh, that would have Facebook comments. Uh, does JT throwing off his back foot and under throwing the ball worry
0: you? Uh, I mean a little bit, but it's hard to tell. We don't know what, you know, he was doing differently because of the hand injury. Uh, or because he felt like there was pressure all the time and he was just kind of you know getting rid of the ball. I don't know. You want him as a freshman to feel comfortable back there, and if it's because he's uncomfortable and he's thrown off the back foot, then that's one thing. If it's not, I mean, it's something the coaches can kind of fix, but I'm not too concerned. Uh,
2: freshman mistake. Yeah. Those things are going to happen. Uh, can we not schedule Stanford the second week? That's the biggest question. The answer is no. They have to schedule Stanford the second week because both teams play Notre Dame. So in order to keep the allegiances there with Notre Dame and where that falls in the schedule, especially for USC, playing them late in the season, they have to play that game. That's what the Pac-12 says. In the, in the top three weeks, yeah. first three weeks.
0: That's what the Pac-12 says. I think that's total bull crap. I think you could figure out a way to You're not do that. You're an engineer? Yeah. <laughs> well, make a program and, and develop a- it. Complete crap. So that they shouldn't do that. You don't want Alabama and LSU or Auburn playing in week two. So I think it's dumb. These teams have played three times in a calendar year. And Georgia and Alabama have played once in like two years. Like they're, you know, the two best teams yeah. in the SEC, they don't even have to play each other. The Pac-12 puts their two best teams against each other three times in 365 days. That doesn't make any sense
2: up with it my cousin as an oh. engineer works in a program where they did the scheduling for major League Baseball and it is one of the most ridiculous things ever he nice. said now it's a little bit different when you have 30 teams and 162 games versus 12 teams
0: yeah so come up the with fact was, my, engineer was outsourcing <laughs> this stuff they didn't realize oh playing a Friday road game after another road game that's bad like they didn't even realize playing 12 stuff. games in a row is a bad idea yeah. huh so it's, it's like they said that you can't do it but it can be done.
1: We have a question from Rachel, who says, um, "Hey Rachel, would USC be better off going for it more on fourth down, given how USC Stevens was getting stops?"
0: I mean, I don't have an issue when they went for it on fourth down. There was a couple of times too where the, the on a the thirty-eight, time, yeah, like you might as well go for. Like I'm not a like advanced stats, like super matrix, whatever all that stuff is. But David Woods, my co-host on the uh, podcast of Champions, is and he said for the most part, like if you cross midfield. Going for it on fourth down is usually the 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 right statistical play. I, I believe him.
2: Yeah. I, I think uh, in that game the missed field goal to begin the game uh, affected his decision on some of those because at the thirty eight yard line that is a fifty five yard field goal. Right. That is a very tough field goal. but That is still a makeable field goal. Um, so I, I think after you miss that first one that affects how your, your play calling is on those third and fourth downs or, or even you know the third down before it's You know, do we want to try to get you know, five yards here on the 38 and try to get. And I think that was what the Vi screen was supposed to be. It's like, okay, I think it was third and six, third and eight. Uh, I maybe mean, third and ten. It was just let's try to pick up five yards so we're in better field goal range. Yeah. And then, But instead, when you don't get anything, then you have to punt it.
0: Yeah, it was blown up.
1: <sighs> okay, I think it might be time to wrap it up.
0: Cut it off thank you for everyone we had all Thanks the people watching. watching yeah all okay. your
1: comments and all your questions um just like usc we all will be traveling to texas this week so our live show schedule is still being worked out yeah we will keep you guys updated about that of course we'll be back at practice we'll have all the good content instant analysis all the good stuff tuesday and wednesday but yeah we'll see you guys at any final thoughts before we wrap it up
0: nope we'll see this is a big weekend a one and two two and one huge huge difference Yep, I, it's going to be a tough environment, obviously, for them. Going to Texas is going
2: to be fun. It should be really fun. Yeah, this environment. But when you have those young players, how do they react to that environment? Because it's going to be completely different. I mean, I know JT has played some again like in front of some big crowds at Modern Day and you know some of the championship games and stuff. But this is on a whole other level.
0: No, I tweeted out Stanford was a game away from home. Texas is on the road, so there that's really? a it's a completely different thing. This is going to be. We you could hear the USC band up yep. in the over the Stanford like it you could talk across the stadium at Stanford Stadium. It was not packed, it was not a rough environment. The the thing that was rough was the Stanford defense getting after you. Austin, Texas, it's going to be rough just driving the bus up to the stadium. It's going to be rough everywhere. So they're fired up for this one. David Shaw wanted revenge after losing twice last year. Tom Herman wants revenge. So
1: could this be Notre Dame part two where USC travels? Uh, interesting crowd. doesn't really go too well. It seems to be Helton's M.O. for a, a loss.
2: I don't think that uh, Texas is the same quality as the Notre Dame team was last year. Well, yes. With, with two offensive linemen going in the top ten picks, no. Talent changes a lot of things.
0: Yeah. But it, but is a, it is it is it is environment. The environment's going to be similar. So, Are you saying do you think it can snowball on them like it did
2: last year? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. And especially with a freshman quarterback. You know, when you have freshmen – you just never know how they're going to react to something until they've actually been in it. Yep. Yeah. Experience changes a lot of things.
1: Indeed. All righty, that's going to wrap it up. We will got, we'll keep you guys updated when we do our next live show, the timing of all that. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. We will see you guys soon.
2: Thank you.